0: Once there was a man named John with a very ugly past. After his Christian mother died while he was a boy, John was given several turnkey jobs by his merchant father that that should have set him up financially. But he wasted every single one of them. He was prone to fighting, laziness, insubordination, immorality, and drinking. Eventually, he drifted into the purchase, transport, and sale of slaves. At last, his shady business dealings sank so low that he became a virtual slave himself before he was rescued, once again bailed out by his father. After he came to faith in Christ amidst a terrible storm at sea, he still struggled for a very long time afterwards with his personal sanctification, with, with actually learning to live a life that was like that of Christ. He so often fell back into his old habits eventually he was repelled by his past and he sought a brighter future by serving Christ in ministry. His desire to be ordained as a minister, however, was frustrated for years because there was a bias within the church against committed evangelicals. His past was a mess, but nonetheless, as he grew in Christ, God's grace redefined that ugly past of his and used it again and again for his glory. Eventually, John pastored pastor working-class congregations for decades. He became a prolific letter writer, a mentor, an encourager to both evangelical pastors and national leaders. And, and the, his despicable past uniquely qualified him to be a powerful spokesman for the movement that would ultimately abolish the British slave trade. But one of the things that I think is most unique about his ministry, perhaps because I have no ability in this area whatsoever, was that to help his uneducated congregants remember the truths of his sermons, he wrote hundreds of simple hymns that he could teach them so that then, over the course of the week, they could recite the great truths he had taught. The most famous of these drew on his sordid past, which has been redefined by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we know that hymn as Amazing Grace. The Amazing Grace of God completely redefines our past. The good news of Jesus Christ, it redefines both our successes and our failures, our highlights and our lowlights, and it allows each of them to be used for God's glory. And so, like John Newton, we can go back way further to the Apostle Paul, who was also a man whose dark past was radically redefined by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we continue today our look at God's good news for everyone with these words from Galatians chapter 1 verses 10 through 24. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. What I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. That I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing and said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. (laughs) However it is you think about your past, whether it was the wonder years or the glory days or years of sorrow or pain, tragedy, shame, guilt, misery, or loss, the good news of Jesus Christ powerfully reframes and redefines that past. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and and we take seriously the call to follow him, our past becomes a powerful tool to serve God's kingdom. And what was true for Paul, what was true for John Newton is true for us. God's grace redefines our past for God's glory. Let me repeat that. God's grace redefines our past for God's glory. First, God's grace redefines our past. And we all have a past of some sort, right? Even if we are very young, we will discover that we accumulate more past every day. And your past may be spectacular, Maybe it's filled with brilliant academic achievements, uh, athletic excellence, a stellar career, a wonderful family. Or your past may be shameful or embarrassing, humiliating or scarred, guilt-ridden. It might be characterized by abuse or by abusive behaviors, by addictions or by dealing. By repeated failures or by intentional sabotage of others. By homelessness and poverty, by broken relationships or or exploitation of the vulnerable, by tragedy or disability, disease or loneliness. But no matter your situation, the good news of Jesus Christ can redefine that past. It can turn misery into strength and it can turn pride into into humble weakness. The good news is that Jesus Christ says that our past doesn't define us or doesn't have to define us once we put our faith in Jesus Christ because our relationship with God is not performance-based. It's not based on what we have done or what we have failed to do. (laughs) And honestly, we all have things for which we should be ashamed because each of us, at different times in our lives, have failed to be the person that God created us to be. Right? God made us to have a relationship with him, to love him and be loved by him, but inevitably we all do things that break that relationship. We've all done things, thought things, said things that, that go against the holy and pure and perfect standard that God created us to live by. And many of us have also stood by and, and watched things happen while we said or did nothing, things that we were created to get involved in. We've each disappointed and angered God through these choices, and in so doing, we have disqualified ourselves from being able to enter His presence because He is perfect and His standard is perfection. But the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that is intended for every single person on earth, the good news that is spoken of over and over again in the book of Galatians, is that Jesus came into this world to rescue us from our messes and our mistakes and our sin and our shame and our guilt. Jesus rescued us by living the perfect life that we can't. And he, and he chose to go to his death on a Roman cross as the innocent sacrifice required to pay the debt to God that we pile up because of our sin. By his sacrifice, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior receives immediate forgiveness when we ask God to forgive us. We are redeemed from our sin. But the thing we also need to realize is that our past, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is also redeemed. It can be redefined in gospel terms. Writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-19, through 19, Paul proclaims, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Your past is transformed and redefined because we are transformed and redefined by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God, and as adopted sons and daughters of God, our guilt and our shame and our pride about our past is redefined. Right, Our past, both the triumphs and the tragedies, become a tool to serve Christ. Our past equips us in unique and powerful ways to live more authentically and to more powerfully minister to those we encounter in our everyday lives. Paul exemplifies this truth as his past was completely redefined by God's grace. The the very things that he took the most pride in, the things he had worked so hard for as a young man, the, the passion and the zeal he poured out became garbage to him. Verse 14 says, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. And yet he explains in Philippians 3, 5 through 9, these became garbage. He poured years of his life, and it was all garbage in his eyes in light of the gospel of Christ. Reciting some of these accomplishments, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless... In light of the good news of Jesus Christ, the proudest achievements of our past should be viewed as nothing more than a tool for God's service. Something that no matter how much passion we put into it, no matter how well we were applauded for it, it is meaningless apart from Christ. But let's be clear, because on the other hand, Paul makes it abundantly clear that the darkest and ugliest and most shameful and disgusting parts of his past were also redeemed and redefined for God. Because Paul, throughout all of his decades of ministry, never forgot that he was once a persecutor and murderer of Christians. But that his guilt and shame were transformed to serve Christ. In verse 13, Paul says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Right? Paul knew exactly what he had done. It wouldn't surprise me if he could remember the faces of those he had rounded up and hauled off to jail or been a party to their execution, but this, this past, as shameful as it was, did not define him or paralyze him. Rather, his redefined past empowered his ministry as he proclaims in 1 Timothy 1:15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. He persecuted Jesus Christ and his body, the church. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's past was totally redefined by the gospel. A fire-breathing zealot was redeemed by grace. And likewise, our past is redefined by the gospel, and God is glorified by our redefinition. When we are honest and open about our past, right, the good and the bad, we are living authentically and using our redefined past to connect and comfort and confront others, in the name of Jesus, God is glorified. Paul was acutely aware of just how powerful his past was, how his legacy of both zeal on the one hand and homicidal persecution on the other was powerful for bringing glory to God, the God who had utterly redefined him both as a man and redefined his past along with him. In verses 22 to 24, Paul is talking about the churches that surrounded Jerusalem that, that never met him but they heard his story. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. God is glorified when we don't hide our past, but we share it when we explain how it now looks in light of the good news. In this case, God was glorified because a homicidal persecutor of the gospel became the most zealous proclaimer of God's good news. Paul's nature wasn't changed. His zeal wasn't changed. His passion wasn't changed. But his past was redefined and became a tool for the future. God is glorified when we understand our personal joys and our miseries, our failures, and our triumphs, our tragedies in light of the gospel and use our past to minister to those we encounter. We get a little example or taste of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, which assures us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Through our redefined past, each of us is equipped to make certain gospel connections with people that it might be very difficult for someone else to connect with. I truly believe anyone can take the gospel anywhere with success through God's power, but But the reality is, the most common way God works is through establishing gospel connections, right? Relational connections that lead to spiritual conversations, that lead to sharing of the good news. Most of these begin with some sort of personal connection or relationship that is usually easiest to make when we share something in common. This is where our past, redefined by the gospel of Jesus Christ, comes in past a job, a college, a hobby, that could open a door for you that would be very hard for the person sitting next to you. There might be a tragedy, trial, or triumph in my past that makes it easier for me to connect with somebody than it does for Neil, for example, or for Mark to connect than it does for Philip. You might have an experience in your life of grief, illness, disability, poverty, addiction, or pain that lets you connect powerfully with somebody who is currently suffering badly and very distant from God. Or you might have a passion, a pursuit, a hobby that lets you easily enter into fellowship with somebody who's never heard about Jesus, right? Maybe it's Harleys or CrossFit or gaming or reading or running or shooting or singing or quilting or or hunting. It could be almost anything that you have a passion for. It isn't merely a hobby, but is a way to make connection. A way that you might have that I don't have. That you might have, but someone in your family doesn't have. There are things in your past, good, bad, and everything in between, that have been redefined in terms of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that empower you to connect, comfort, confront, and testify to the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the And the sustaining faithfulness of God. So what's in your past that God can use once you let Him redefine it? Right? What is there that will help you connect, comfort, or confront? I want you to think about this week. I want you to think hard about your past, particularly the proudest and the most painful, the things of the extremes. Think about these things in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and ask yourself how God can use that for his glory. There may be something that you are scared to talk about, but God can use that for his glory. Through his grace, we're not only saved for eternal life, but we are able to apply the gospel to our past. And through the gospel, God offers healing and restoration. Whatever is back there, God has forgiven it. He, He loves you. He is present with you in spite of it. So let him redefine it and use it to reach and love and serve others and invite them. Into God's kingdom don't let fear of man the fear of how other people will react even or particularly the fear of how other church people might react don't let that hold you back from using your redefined past for God's glory the way Paul did now arguably the most important Paul point that Paul makes in this whole passage comes at the very beginning don't live for the approval of other people. Live for God's approval alone. This was Paul's attitude, and it needs to become our attitude as well. Paul makes it very clear that he preached for God's approval alone. Based on verse 11, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It seems like the Galatian churches were not taking him seriously. We're accusing him of of being a lackey or a subordinate to the other apostles. But Paul received both the good news of Christ's redemption and his commission as an apostle directly, directly from Jesus, and he was unconstrained by any human authority or approval. Verse 12 says, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, referring to the dramatic events that we see told in Acts chapter 9. And he goes on in this passage to describe more of his personal development as an apostle to make sure we understand that his gospel, the one and only good news of Jesus Christ that we talked about two weeks ago, was purely from divine revelation, and he wasn't just passing on some human teaching. And then verses 15 and 20 through 21 describe how Paul took three years in the province of Arabia and in Damascus, to grow in his relationship with God, to reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament, to preach, to practice, and prepare for ministry. He's using that time to integrate all of his past, now redefined, all of his zeal, all of his learning, to integrate that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preparing for ministry before he even goes to Jerusalem to briefly meet the leaders of the Jerusalem church, Peter and James, before he returns to his ministry field. All right, Starting in verse 15, But when he, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. What I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. All right, Paul's emphatic point here is that he did not preach to please or serve other apostles. Rather, he was called and his past was redefined entirely to glorify God and we cannot live to gain both man's approval and God's approval ultimately they will be incompatible and we need to choose no matter how likable we try to be and we should try to be likable the approval of men is ultimately going to come into conflict with the approval of God if we are taking seriously the call to follow Jesus There are things that we are each called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ that will not be appreciated by the people around us, even the people closest to us. There are things I am called to do as a minister of the gospel that won't be appreciated by even everyone in this room. And when these situations arise, and they inevitably will, we need to be prepared. Which are we going to choose? As Paul explains in verse 10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The two are incompatible. Now, at one time, Paul was a pleaser of people, right? He he went through all the processes to get all the applause of men, to, to work hard, to rise through the ranks as a professional Pharisee. He attacked Christ for the applause of men, but no more. Right, no more. Paul had chosen to serve Christ with every ounce of his being. The persecutor had become the preacher. Every bit of all of his old zeal and brilliance and tireless energy was still there, but redefined and reused by God to turn the world upside down because he had committed to serve Christ and not answer to the approval of men. My friends, the world around us needs to be turned upside down again. All right? It is a mess out there. This is our moment in history. Right? Each of us here has to make the same choice that Paul made. We must choose, right? You and I must each choose for ourselves. Are we brave enough to live for God's approval alone? regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it may cost us relationally or reputationally or academically or professionally. You need to think it over and make your decision. Will you live a life to please others or to truly serve Christ in a world that badly needs us to serve Christ? The invitation of Jesus Christ is to follow him, to follow him into a life of purpose and meaning, a life of power and boldness, a life of heartache and joy. That's the life of a disciple. So are you brave enough to lay down your attachments, to lay down your fears, to let God's grace redefine your past your present, and your future, and then boldly follow Jesus Christ as his servant. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the great good news of Jesus Christ that not only saves us from our sins, when we put our faith in him, but it can redefine the very way we understand our past, turning pain and sorrow and suffering into comfort and strength, turning accomplishment and achievement into a tool that humbles us in the ways you use it. Lord, we have to each make a choice. Are we going to use that redefined past for your glory? Are we really going to serve you? Are we going to live a life that remains afraid and timid and seeking the approval of other people? Lord, I pray that we would be a people that serves you and you alone. That does not seek the approval of anyone around us even in the church, if need be, that we are devoted to serving Christ for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.